0: The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the place, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know and have seen my Father. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? words that i say to you i do not speak on my own but it is the father who dwells in me who does these works believe me that i am in the father and the father is in me but if you do not then believe me because of the works themselves very truly i tell you the one who believes in me will also do the works that i do and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Praise to you. Last weekend, my family moved to Green Lake. Not a permanent move, don't worry. But we decided we needed a break from condensed condo living. So we're staying in Minnesota for a couple of weeks. We are so lucky to have another dwelling place to shelter for a while, thanks to the seven grandparents who bought this lake lot 61 years ago. It's great to have a new view, a different perspective, even if we're doing the same work, studying, and sheltering that we were doing in Chicago. Now, the kids might argue, though, that the best part of sheltering at the cabin is that everyone has their own room. Every summer, they hunker down in the same space, Annika in the den, Oliver in grandpa's old room, and Peter in the second upstairs bedroom. Even the cats have their own rooms, so to speak. Melvin upstairs and Millie downstairs. Which room have you become most familiar with during the pandemic? For many, their living rooms have become offices. For students, kitchens and bedrooms are now classrooms. Medical professionals work tirelessly in rooms that are not in their homes, but are patient rooms and emergency rooms. Our our own rooms, once private places to dwell, have now become public. We've seen each other's dwelling places on TV and in Zoom. I watch late-night comedians like Jimmy Fallon host from his own home with young children at his side. And I see the CBS Morning News broadcast from the homes of Anthony, Gail, and Tony. And now, Even pastors and parishioners get a sneak peek into each other's dwelling places via Zoom. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Anyone who has ever been to a funeral before has probably heard this scripture passage. It's often translated, in my father's house, there are many rooms. But in the old King James Version, it's many mansions. And in the NRSV, many dwelling places. No matter which version is used at the funeral, though, the sermon usually assures those who are grieving that their loved one has a room prepared for them in heaven. So there's no reason to have a troubled hearts during the time of grief. I imagine, though, that we hear this scripture passage differently today in our own grief, when our hearts are troubled for many different reasons. So preaching a reassuring word that God has a different room for you to spend eternity in may not be so comforting. Jesus says to the disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Context is everything when reading the Bible and interpreting it for today's troubles. Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet, given them a new commandment to love one another, and had shared his last meal with them. Judas betrayed Jesus at dinner and left the group. Peter is told he will deny that he even knows Jesus when the going gets tough. This scripture passage we read today is part of Jesus' farewell discourse, a fancy way that theologians describe his final night with the disciples before his death. He's saying goodbye to them and letting them know that everything will be all right when he's gone. The fear and anxiety must have been palpable in that dining room and their final night together. What is Jesus talking about? How will they survive if he leaves them? Where will they go? What will their plans and hopes and dreams for the future be? Why is the ground shifting underneath their feet? Maybe you can relate to the disciples' questions, wondering what life will look like for the next many months and years. Why is the ground shifting under our feet? What's going to happen to our families, our city, our nation and world? Where's Jesus in all this uncertainty and pain, fear and loss? And why is he talking about a new room in a faraway place when we need assurance that the Holy One is with us now? Do not let your hearts be troubled there are many dwelling places, mansions, rooms. Sometimes it's better to trust the original Greek, not the translators of modern English Bibles. And the word here is meno, abiding. With God the Father, there are many abiding places. Jesus abides with the Father, and the Father abides with Jesus. You see, abiding is about relationship, not place. And this is Jesus at his pastoral best, giving assurance to the disciples that even with separation, the relationship is secure. Jesus abides with us, even when, especially when, our hearts are troubled. God, Emmanuel, is with us now. And in Jesus, we too abide with God. Caroline Lewis, who teaches the Gospel of John at Luther Seminary, helped me to understand this abiding image more clearly when she spoke about Jesus being intimately held in God's bosom. And then I remembered the times that I held my own infants close to my breast, gently rocking them when they were troubled crying because they were hungry or hurting in some way. Tenderly most of the time, frustrated sometimes, I swayed back and forth as I shushed them to sleep, assuring them with my presence that I'm here, they're safe, they're loved. No words are necessary or effective during times like that. Just a simple, abiding presence. And that's the dwelling place prepared for you. An abiding place where love is tenderly experienced. God holds us close when we're restless, discontent, fearful. In other words, troubled. abides with us. Now abide is not a word that we use often in modern speech, but there are all kinds of ways that we know the abiding presence of others during times of trouble. A friend holds space for you to grieve during an experience of loss. Nurses who remain present keeping vigil when someone is dying from COVID. Allies working for justice when our siblings of color are terrorized and killed, parents holding their teenagers close with love, even when they seem to not want it anymore. You see, we know what it means to abide, to stay close, to remain during times of trouble, and it's all about relationship. And Jesus promises to be in relationship with us always. I am the way, the truth, and your life, Jesus says. You abide with me, therefore you have a dwelling place with God, meaning that God is roomy, God is generous, God is hospitable, and God can handle your doubts, your fears, your questions. Our dwelling place with God is not only a promise for funerals at a time of death. It is a promise for the eternal life that we are living now. Amen.